Be seated, please. My wife asked me recently, as recently as today, why do they call it Good Friday? And I thought, well, that's really a good question. And so uh, I went, as of course all great scholars do, to Wikipedia. And one of the things uh, that I found out from a number of sources is that the word good, uh, one, of it, one of its usages is also holy or sacred. So one of the things that we're saying about Friday is that this is a holy day. This is a sacred day. And I'm sure glad we're not calling it good in our normal way of understanding good. Because when I survey the cross, it seems most anything but wondrous. When I look at the cross, I don't see good initially. I, I see a lot of bad. The first thing you see in the cross is it is a bad very bad instrument. It, it is, of course, an instrument of death and an instrument of power. It is meant not only to kill, but to kill in the most excruciating way possible so that the message is sent to not just the person who's dying, but more importantly, to everyone who watches this death. And as you may know, crosses are lined up outside Rome and outside Jerusalem as warnings to all who go by. It, it's not like a guillotine. It, it's not it's not like a lethal injection and uh, relatively smooth. It's, it's a little bit like, uh, if you're familiar in Florida with the electric chair, Old Sparky called that because it didn't always operate, of course, as they intended, which was inhumane, to be sure. But crucifixion wasn't accidentally inhumane. It was meant to be that way. And a good crucifixion team could make it very bad indeed. They could do just enough to keep you alive for hours and hours and make you suffer through it. When you look at the cross, the first thing you see is something that is very bad. When you see the man that is hanging on the cross on this Good Friday, you also see that this is bad because this man is innocent. The charges against him are trumped up. The trial against him breaks even the rules that they have set for trials. It's the middle of the night or very early in the morning when the trial is set. And, and it doesn't go through the normal procedures. Jesus receives nothing that looks like justice, even for the poorest. And the most disenfranchised Jew would have found more justice than Jesus found that day. And the charges, of course, are trumped up. He's not guilty of any of them except what, of course, Pilate wrote uh, and had the placard above him when he died. The charge against him read, King of the Jews. But not even is he guilty of being king in the way that they imagined king because he wasn't a king who grabs and rules by force, but rather he is a king by the force of love and by the will and decree of God. So when you look, it's, it's a bad instrument. It's a bad system of justice. And if we look at the motivations, if you look at the fingerprints of this crime, you see that it brought out the worst in people. Very religious people who claim to be seeking the truth trumped up false charges to protect maybe their religious system or maybe their economic system because those who ran the temple got exceedingly wealthy in doing so. And Jesus was about to reign on their money-making Machine. The hands of, of the crowd are in it in some ways, and, and they cry out, and they 
demand that Jesus be crucified and Barabbas be released. And, and the crowd's motivation is not that they want to somehow see a crucifixion. The crowd is, many of them are looking for relief and it's obvious that Jesus isn't going to bring it. And because they no longer want to live uh, when someone else is calling the shots because they want to control their own life and their own destiny, they look for someone who will lead them in that effort. Their motivation of fear and their motivation of impatience with a God who seems slow to act uh, leads them to crucify Jesus. And then, of course, Pilate. Pilate's motivation seems nothing more than just to be able to hold on to the very little power he does have in this world. And he fears that it can be taken away either by the Roman officials over him or by the people who are under him. And so in an effort to placate them, he basically sentences a man that he knows or he knows is innocent. And then what do you say about the Romans? The Romans, certainly their hands are in this. Their hands are in this. They execute anyone who claims to be a king, anyone who might disrupt their system. And so in their self-centeredness and uh, in their interest, which is only for themselves and their own empire, they willingly condemn an innocent man to death. You look at the cross, it's, it's a bad instrument. It is a bad system of justice and it is the worst motivations, selfishness, greed, insecurity, fear, and the will to dominate and exert power over other people. They're all involved. You see the fingerprints of bad motives all over. When you look on this Good Friday, you see a lot of bad. And the bad all comes together. And so when Jesus hangs on the cross, we can certainly say that, that sin is involved in being and him being there, not just the sins of these people and not even just our sins as those who have tried to follow God and failed, but sin really with a capital S because it's, it's greater than the sum of its parts. And all of that is bad. And yet in the face of the worst of behavior and the worst of intention, when I look at the cross, I do see one thing that's good. And, and I'm not even having to go to Easter to see the ultimate good, where death is defeated and sin is vanquished. But even on this evening, what I want you to see is in the face of all this bad, our God, hanging on the cross, in order to win, didn't have to cease being good. He didn't have to get down to their level of behavior. He didn't have to get down to their level of motivations. Even though they were bad, he stayed good because he's always good and only capable of good. And so God did not have to become bad to defeat the good. I mean, to, def to defeat the bad, but defeated the bad by remaining good. In and on the cross, Jesus stays true to his nature, which is to grant people freedom to act as they are led. Freedom to worship, our freedom to deny, but on the other hand, also to always act in love. He never changed that, not even in the face of the worst that humanity, the worst of religion and the worst of government combining together. Our God did not have to become bad in order for good to win. Reminds me of an old story, you probably heard it. Before, there's a, a sage, and the sage is walking with his lone disciple at, uh, at this stage, and, and they come to a riverbank, and, and they sit down by the riverbank, and there's uh, 
there are tree um, roots that are kind of knotted together and there are branches uh, and, and there by the river caught in one of the branches by the root of a tree on the ground is a scorpion and the scorpion is struggling to break free and the scorpion can't break free. And so the wise man knows what he must do and he reaches down to extricate the scorpion from his situation. And of course, in doing so, the scorpion stings him. And the young man's watching, and at first he's amazed, and then he laughs, and he said, he said, Master, you're a fool. Why would you reach down and free that creature who will only hurt you? And the sage's response went something like this. Because it is in the nature of the scorpion to sting, should I change my nature, which is to love and grant release? When I look at the cross, there's a lot of bad. But one of the good things I see is a God who never changes God's nature to set us free by the power of love. Look at the cross on a good Friday and see that the power of love triumphs over the love of power.